quite unusual. Hi, and welcome. I am Nicole. And I'm Noelle. And we are the hosts of the Quite Unusual podcast, a paranormal, true crime, culty, alien, conspiracy, weird shit podcast. Oh, so weird. We are well into our first month of 2021, and I don't know about you, Noelle, but I feel alive. I too feel alive. (laughs) Seriously, though, I feel weirdly optimistic, which is not the person that I am. I am a pessimist through and through. (laughs) So this feels weird, but I'm going with it. Well, it probably is because that we have just decided that we're going to stop caring what other people think of us in 2021, and... Just that thought alone is just refreshing. Ooh, so crisp. Yeah, dude. Our new motto for 2021 is, fuck it. Yep. And it feels so, ooh, 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 good. (laughs) We also started a Patreon, which I am so excited for. We had plans to launch in 2021, and here we are. So if you guys want more QU content, that's QU, QU content. Hard to say. It's hard to say, yeah. Q-U. Q-U. <laughs> if you want a Q-U, we got you. Ew, that's, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> if you want more content, you can pop on over to patreon.com and hang out with us some more. We have several tiers to choose from. We've decided that we're going to do a little after show for each episode after we record. So we'll chat a little bit more about the topic. We decided to do an after show, honestly, mostly because we do this thing where we record our show Mm -hmm. and then we chat about the show and the case for like, I don't know, what, two hours afterwards? we're so bad at that. Yeah, so we thought we would share some of those thoughts with you. Mm -hmm. If you cannot get enough of us rambling on and tumbling into Conspiracy Corner, then you are going to love our after show. You will love it. And we're thinking of calling it the after show with Nick and No. I like it. I kind of like it too, unless somebody else has a better name, which if you do, message us. Yeah, if you come up with a better name than that and you let us know, um, I will send you a little treat to, to say thank you. Mm, but only serious inquiries. Don't be like some stupid shit. Like you're a hoe, Nick and No. <laughs> I will fight you and then I will cry about it. So please don't do that, okay? Yeah, please don't. Uh, well, in other Good news, I guess, for 2021. The CIA released all of their documents on aliens. And when I say all, I say it with air quotes because I don't think they're ever really going to release all. But still pretty cool. Have you uh, had time (laughs) to look through all 2,700 pages of documents, Noelle? Yes, um, I was. I was perusing for the last 24 hours straight (laughs) in a dark room with only the glow of my laptop and Mm. can after can of Mountain Dew Code Red to keep me alert. So good. But can we trust the information that the bullshit CIA is releasing? (laughs) I think not. You cannot pull the wool over my eyes. Wake up, sheeple! Sheeple. (laughs) Sorry, that's just why my eyes are bloodshot and my keyboard is stained with hot cheeto dust but tell us how you really feel moving on i'm so tired (laughs) well i was going through it just a little bit and a lot of the shit in there is just redacted so it's like they released their documents but then they didn't release all their documents kind of like how they also gave us a second stimulus check but they didn't really give us a second stimulus check you know what i mean Mm. they like 
they half-assed it mm-hmm. just to say that they did it, which mm-hmm. is the U.S. government for you. Well, I don't know about you, Nicole, but my mortgage only costs $16 a month, and I don't even buy food <laughs> or anything else. No electricity for me, only candles. So I've been living off that $1,200 the whole time. Mm, perfect. Yeah, don't get me started on the stimulus checks. Yeah. I know I shouldn't have been expecting them to release pictures of aliens or anything, but I wanted it. I wanted it, yeah. And I don't I don't have time to sift through everything and just read all of those. No. It's a lot, a lot going on. Don't. So if someone out there wants to read through it and give us the spark notes, I mean, go for it. Go for it, babe. If any of our listeners honestly do read this, first, I am very color me impressed, I'll say. Color and- me impressed. Do it. Also, DM us, give us the spark notes, because I was just joking about reading the 2,700 pages. <laughs> I cannot read. She can. I don't, I don't read. She doesn't, she doesn't do it. I don't know how to read. She's illiterate. <laughs> I'm fully illiterate. She, everything that she says on this podcast, she just pulls from her own knowledge from her brain. I've never delivered an actual fact. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, so if you're listening now, everything she said is this like isn't like a fact-based podcast it's like just like two girls like chatting true crime you know what i mean it's like like don't like come here if you want to like know things come here if you want to like i don't know like be like a gal pal yeah don't hit me <laughs> i want to hit me I, if i could reach across this table i would all right can we just talk about exorcisms already oh yeah we should oh spoiler, spoiler! This week's episode is about exorcisms. Exercise me, Captain. <laughs> I don't. I feel like I do a Captain Crunch joke every single episode. You now. definitely. Say that. <laughs> it's okay. I I said that one story about how I pretended to be dead to the doctors twice. So did it's you? cool. Yeah, remember? It's a really good story. I said it like twice. Oh, I said it on one episode, and then I said it on another episode. Well, we both just forgot that it happened, and then someone was like, "Didn't you already tell that story?" I was like, "Yep." Yes, I did. Wow, is your mom really ragging on you again? <laughs> wow, Connie, come on, dude. Be nice. It's been a long year, okay? It has. Well, I will do a different style of joke. In Soviet Russia, exercise <laughs> you. The demons exercise you. <laughs> All right, let's get on with it. Tell us what an exorcism is, Noel. We all know what an exorcism is, but a lot of us don't really know what an exorcism is turns out i didn't really do do i know well i feel like it's one of those weird things that are in pop culture like definitely because of horror movies obviously so it seems like we all know what it is but i don't know there's a lot of like fine-tuning details here that i just had no idea about oh okay well then exercise this captain (laughs) Oh, I'm about to. In forewarning, we are using the Catholic exorcism as the backbone for this episode. Yes, we And are. for our information. Um, there are tons of other exorcism, I guess, ideals, if you will, practices, things like that, mm-hmm. in plenty of other, almost all religions, actually. Yeah. So we maybe will do an episode on that at a later time. But right now, we are going Catholic to a T. Yeah. Yeah. So Catholicize me, Captain. Oh, yeah. I like it. (laughs) I'm going to start a religion, Captain Crunch, which I talk about actually quite often, starting a religion about Captain Crunch. Mm, I join. Yeah? Mm -hmm. It's delicious. 
Oops, all berries. All right. So <laughs> in the spirit of over explaining every little thing, let's talk about what exactly an exorcism is. First, the word comes from the Greek word exorcismos, which is my Greek accent. You're welcome. <laughs> and that means binding by oath, which will make sense in like five minutes. Okay. To put it simply, an exorcism is the practice of calling out an evil spirit through prayer to force them to abandon either an object, a place, or a person in like a ceremonial event. Got it. Now let's make it complicated, shall we? There are three types of exorcisms, baptismal, simple, and real. Sometimes simple is called minor and real is called major, but I like simple and I like real because the existence of a real exorcism implies the existence of a fake exorcism. And that's just sort of fun. Which is not what the simple. Simple is just a, a baby exorcism. It's right? like a little tiny baby one. Okay. It's like an eight pound, six ounce baby exorcism <laughs> baby in its ex- crib. Yeah. Nicole. Yes. Quick cue. Mm-hmm. Were you baptized? I was baptized oh. and I also made my communion oh. so I can eat Christ's body now. So and jealous. I've also made my confirmation. Uh, pretty much the whole Catholic shebang, if you will. Wow, sick brag, dude. Yeah. That was a, that's a weird life story, but whatever. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> well, if you were baptized, which obviously you were, and then also communed, and then also confirmed, mm. so the trifecta, she's a triple threat, people. I am. Then you were exercised. Congrats, baby. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. Didn't work, though, because my demons are still with me, and we've become great friends. Oh, yeah, your horns are showing, actually, a little bit. You wanna Oh, should I tuck them under my hair? Bit? There you go. <laughs> okay. Much better. All right. Seems weird to me, but if you believe the idea that babies were born with original sin, then it makes perfect sense mm. that a holy man would need to wash the evil of that sin away from your tiny little infant baby. Uh, okay, I got it now. That makes sense. For those not familiar, original sin, of which I was not familiar, I'm not like a Jesus guy. I feel like we talk about this a lot on the I show. Know, we do. <laughs> I'm not a Jesus guy, so I don't know what's going on. I'm not a Jesus guy either. I was just brought up that way. Well, you're our resident. Um, <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> you're a resident religion expert. I'm not so. an expert on religion. I'm the Captain Crunch expert, and you are the religion expert. Okay. Why do I get the? Why do I? Why do I get religion, and you get Captain Crunch? <laughs> <laughs> Um, original sin can be defined, as Christianity.com tells it, mm. as having arisen from Adam and Eve's transgression in Eden. The sin of disobedience and eating the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, like when they ate that apple because a snake-shaped devil, double dog dared them to. <laughs> yeah. And look, I'm just going to say this, playground rules, you cannot turn down a double dog dare. Or you're a loser. And they super did not want to look like losers. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows it. You can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. The thought is that all tiny little babies are born with this nature of sin stemming from the fall of man when that one lady ate an apple one time. (laughs) That lady. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's really all Eve's fault because you have to blame the woman. But it's also kind of cute, like a cute little love story because Adam got to choose between God and Eden or Eve, and he chose Eve. Wow, and then he created the patriarchy, and wow, here we are. Yep. Yep. So, (laughs) thanks, I guess. Thanks, Adam. Apples aren't even that good. They're not. Strawberry tree? Yeah, I would eat a thousand. (laughs) 
Captain Crunch Tree, sign me up. Apple Tree, nah. I'm good. I'll, I'll stay pass. in Eden. <laughs> Especially, like, was it a green apple? The worst apple. Uh, what? Well, they're good for pies. Green apples are my favorite apples. Okay, Eve. I like sour <laughs> stuff. If you have been baptized, congrats on your exorcism. Thank you. You're, you are welcome. I'm actually going to make baptism greeting cards that say, <laughs> congrats on your baby's exorcism. Do you think anyone would buy those? I would 100% buy them, and I would totally give them out to people. I feel like a lot of people maybe would. And probably be really confused because I didn't know that baptism was also an exorcism. I'll put on the back about how it's like a whole thing about the lady that the apple once, okay. you know. So like it'll, a, we'll, we're excited. We'll explain it. It'll be like a pamphlet almost. Okay. A simple exorcism is the blessing of a place or an object to rid it of an evil influence or presence. Think like a possession. Like Annabelle, that Raggedy Ann doll that Zach Bagans touched. You know, the one that they keep behind glass at the Warrens Museum? Yeah. Did they sell that? Um, I think... I feel like they did? No, I think the I think their nephew has it, but... Oh. They also had to keep it behind... I think they still keep it behind the glass, but they also flew with it on a plane and oh, bought yeah. its own plane ticket, so... I'm not sure why it has to be kept behind glass, but then can also ride on a plane. Well, um, it was just American Airlines, and let's yeah, be honest. True. And I know that the owner and Zach Bagans were, like, on in an internet fight together. Oh, wait, Remember that? that? Like six months ago. Yeah. Bagans wrote this, like, whole thing about him online, how he demanded first-class plane tickets for him and the doll. It was something just so ridiculous in true Zach Bagans fashion. But. Well, if we believe three things in this attic it's one ghosts are real yes two adventures are real absolutely three zach bagans has to wear glasses because one time a ghost (laughs) looked him directly in the eye and he lost part of his sight and now he has he's nearsighted absolutely 100 percent true and we believe that in this house we definitely do moving on a simple exorcism is performed usually with some kind of holy water or a blessed item and also a prayer or ritualistic chant of some sort. So technically, when you sage your house, it is a form of simple exorcism. Mm. So congrats on exercising your home. Thank you. I am going to make housewarming gifts with a bundle of ethically sourced sage that says congrats on your house and congrats on your forthcoming exorcism. (laughs) Do you think people would buy those? You know what? I feel like there's a whole exorcism market that no one has really tapped into yet. Very untapped. We should start an exorcism planning business. Just the minor ones, though, because I don't think we're equipped for the major ones just yet. Well, I'm no religion expert. <laughs> I'm the expert here. But you, possibly. Finally, we get to the real exorcism. No more fake outs, people. Mm. This is the real deal. The real deal. A real exorcism, not a fake one, is the performance of the rite of exorcism that's spelled R-I-T-E, like store-brand soda. (laughs) Right, (laughs) eight. To rid a human being of demonic or diabolical possession. This is exactly what is portrayed in the aptly named movie, The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. Which I was watching when you came over here. She was. Yep. During a real exorcism, not a fake one, A priest and or an exorcist will perform this rite and, fingers crossed, rid a human being of a demon that has possessed them. So how would one know that they're in need of an exorcism, you may be wondering? Well, let's break it down by type, shall we? We shall. 
Wondering if you need a baptismal exorcism? Well, if you're a baby, bam! You don't need an exorcism. No further questions. Go talk to your local parishioner and set up a baptism. I'm sure they can squeeze you in. Yeah, hi. Um, Can I schedule a simple exorcism? They should just call it that instead of a baptism. Very cute. Super cute. This is also feeling like a bit of an infomercial right now. Like I'm selling exorcisms. I'm really into this idea it's, that... The market's... We, we need to tap into it. Un- got to. Untap. Got to. Wondering if you need a simple exorcism? Well, do you have a doll or object in your house that seems to move on its own and writes messages and blood on your walls? <laughs> Maybe you recently moved into a house where the door slam in the middle of the night and you hear the eternal screams of the dam every time you open your refrigerator? Chances are you need a simple exorcism. If you said no to all the aforementioned scenarios, but you find yourself speaking in tongues or maybe projectile vomiting every time you see a potato chip vaguely shaped like the Virgin Mary, then honey, you need a real exorcism, not a fake one. A real one. (laughs) Seriously, though, there are recognizable symptoms of a possession. Consider this your WebMD of exorcisms. If you have the following symptoms, call a doctor or an exorcist. First is speaking or understanding languages which the possessed person has never, ever learned. The most common trope of this is speaking Latin, which I have a problem with. If you speak any of the Romance languages, like French, Spanish, or Italian, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, I guarantee you know more Latin than you think you do. Oh, for sure. Do you want to play a Guesses Latin game? Is this a test? Am I going to fail it? No, it's like a game show. Okay, it better be easy. It's going to be so much fun. All right, better be easy. Do you know what amore means? Uh, love. Can you guess what post-mortem means? Post-death? Am I allowed to say post in my answer? Yeah, after. Okay, okay. Okay. after death. Uh, pro bono? Faux free? Quid pro quo? The doing something for getting something? This for that, right? Yeah, this for that. Okay. You know who else knows what quid pro quo means? Who? The president. <laughs> <laughs> I get that you probably wouldn't be able to speak full sentences, like out of thin air in Latin. Right. But I don't know. I just feel like we all know a little bit and you could probably fake your way through shit. Yeah, like deep in your mind. You probably don't even know that you know it. Right. But it's there. Mm-hmm. So are you insinuating that we're all a little possessed in a way? Because we all know Latin? We're not not possessed. Okay. <laughs> Am I right? It's very true. Everyone's a little possessed in their own way. Next, the ability to know things about someone else that there is absolutely no way you would have the ability to know. Think something extremely personal or like a childhood memory Basically, the demon just knows everything, and then this is their proof. So yeah. if you have seen the exorcist, mm-hmm. the possessed girl knows that the priest's mom just died. Yeah. And she's, like, exploiting that. Yeah. But how would she know that? She's a child. Exactly. But the demon knows, because demons know all. Demons? <laughs> Next is physical strength beyond your natural physical makeup. Like, if you're an eight-year-old girl... And you can suddenly throw a grown adult man across the room, you're probably possessed. Or if you can spider crawl down the stairs and contort your body in a weird way, you're probably possessed. Bonus points if your head turns around backwards. Mm, Yes. Yes. We won't take points away if it doesn't, but bonus (laughs) points if it does. I also have a little bit of an issue with this one, too. 
There is something called hysterical strength, which I'm sure you've heard of, mm-hmm. where you can use the full extent of your physical strength in times of great need. Like we all yeah. have this ability to be stronger than we think we are. Yeah, like adrenaline, isn't it? That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Like those stories of mothers lifting full size F- like SUVs off of their children single handedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe we all have this ability to just be super strong sometimes, but it doesn't always mean that we have a demon inside of us. Or it means we all have a demon inside of us, and sometimes it comes out when we need it most. Oh, that's kind of nice. Right? I like, oh, you're never alone because you're full of demons. Exactly. That's sort of nice. (laughs) The last symptom of possession, and my personal favorite, is a violent aversion to God, the Virgin Mary, the cross, or any other images of religion. I always picture someone holding up a cross to like a possessed person and them hissing at it (laughs) or like putting it on their forehead and it burns and it sizzles in the name of the Lord. Totally. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. We're going to chant that 48 times at the end of this episode. So stay tuned. So if you are possessed, we're going to exercise you. You're welcome. (laughs) Or if you need a baby baptized, you call us. Just play this episode. Call your favorite internet aunties and we will baptize <laughs> your baby. This happens because the demon or the devil inside of them is recoiling at the mere image of sweet little baby Jesus in his crib. Mm. They are just so, so super evil that they can't even stand to look at something religious. <laughs> what if a demon, instead of hissing and like screaming or something, was just like, yuck, oh my God, ew. That's like super gross. <laughs> instead of, your mother sucks cocks in hell. That's my favorite line from that movie. We've been saying it back and forth to each other. Yeah. It came up like yesterday before, just randomly. We weren't even no talking to somebody who knew we were doing exorcism and, no. and it came up. And then Nicole just said it to them. <laughs> I had to explain myself. I was like, it's a quote from The Exorcist. Yeah, they didn't get it. That's okay. We get it. Sorry. Right. The demon inside of you gets it. He does. A fun fact that I did find, according to a 2005 Gallup poll, 42% of people in the United States believe in the possibility of diabolical possession. Only 42? I would think that it would be way higher than that. I don't know if a lot of people believe in demons. Well, if you believe, if you're Christian, you believe in demons. You, it's part of the Bible. So you have to. Not a Jesus guy, I don't know. Yeah. But But I guess, I guess less and less people are going that route yeah you know right so maybe well now you know if you or your loved one may be in need of an exorcism nicole can you tell us a little bit more about this whole catholic exorcism thing and how it works of course since i am apparently the resident religion expert here you are in at qu headquarters she has a phd in religiosidology (laughs) yes that was a word um so Obviously, when we all think of exorcisms, we think of priests and pea soup and the devil, right? Exactly right. In every horror movie ever, the only way to save someone who has been possessed is with a priest who recites things from a Bible and usually carries a cross and holy water. That's 100% the case for the movie The Exorcist, which, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've already seen that movie. Or maybe scary movies aren't your thing, which, if that is the case, never watch The Exorcist. Cannot, just cannot say it enough. Never Never. watch The Exorcist. You will shit your pants with fear. It's very scary. Yeah. I just watched it at 2 p.m. on a Saturday, 
And I'm a full grown adult that loves horror movies. And it yeah. was scary. Terrifying. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Absolutely terrifying. Anyways, I wanted to talk a little bit about Christianity and exorcisms. Because what is an exorcism without a little Jesus? Am I right? Amen. <laughs> and since I was forced into Catholicism classes from first to seventh grade, I do know a little bit about the subject. Also, sorry, mom, but I hated CCD classes. I was so excited when you said that you wanted to do the research for this part of the show. Well, I figured it just fit. Well, you're our resident I, expert yeah, I mean... on Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to make you a name tag that says, hi, ask me about the Lord. Ask me about Jesus. (laughs) Well, I figured I should take it. I mean, I pretty much blacked out everything I learned from those classes because I hated it, but thought I'd give it a shot, you know. I also have to say that while researching, I found a website where you can request an exorcism from the Archdiocese of Washington. Isn't the internet just so amazing? Oh, nice, dude. You know what? I'm free next Thursday. Should we see if they're available? Yeah, for sure. Exercise me, Archdiocese. (laughs) The first official rules for an exorcism from the Vatican came in around 1614, but they were later changed in 1999 to include the little tiny important part that a person must be evaluated by doctors to rule out mental illness before the church gave the green light on an exorcism, which... Wow. 1999 is when they decided, oh, maybe we should check first to make sure this person isn't schizophrenic. Well, first off, throwback to Y2K. I forgot that was a thing (laughs) until this moment. Oh, my gosh. Me too. Two, I'm honestly very surprised that that's even a thing at all, that the church recognizes mental illness as a reasonable diagnosis versus possession. That's very true. I'm a little, like... Wow, they woke. They're not woke. woke. But wow. (laughs) 1614 is not the first time that rules and steps were first written down for exorcisms. Several ancient societies before the Vatican took control had several writings about exorcisms in their grimoires. And a grimoire is a sort of kind of like a textbook or a diary for magic so you write down spells you've done rituals incantation info on herbs and crystals basically like your own little witch diary i was gonna ask you what that was yeah so thanks you are welcome the following information i got from the united states conference of catholic bishops which basically is just the whole Catholic down low on everything exorcism. I was looking through this website because I saw you put it in the source. It's awesome, yeah. It's honestly pretty dope. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Highly recommend. They have a whole facts page just strictly dedicated to exorcisms, which I thought was hilarious. And also probably because I assume everyone probably always asks about them. Yeah, like the first question. Yeah, I would. So we talked about minor exorcisms and major exorcisms, or simple and real exorcisms. Simple and real, not fake, real. According to the church, a minor exorcism may be performed by any member of the clergy, so any priest, rabbi, minister, or even a nun can perform a minor exorcism. Uh, even a nun? Even a nun. I'm sorry. Can a woman be trusted with such things? Well, just minor things. A woman ate an apple one time. (laughs) 
an original sin is a thing. Are you sure we can handle this? A major exorcism, on the other hand, can only be performed by a bishop or a priest who has obtained the permission of the diocesan bishop. Diocesan. Diocesan. So basically, the HBIC, (laughs) the head bishop in charge of the diocese. A diocese is like a large area with many churches, so... There's actually an archdiocese of Chicago, and you can find a church within that archdiocese, and there's an HBIC, head bishop in charge, of that diocese. So you would need his permission. If you or I wanted to get an exorcism, we would need the permission of the bishop of the archdiocese of Chicago. Really? Yeah. Why? Because you gotta, they gotta vet you first and everything make goes sure through you're, tony big you're, tony you're really possessed everything goes through big tony the hbic of the chicago archdiocese everyone knows him big tony who doesn't know big tony <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if his name was really tony i i want to look it up so i'm gonna oh my god his name is blaze blaze the bishop bishop blaze holy shit that that's, is the coolest name i've ever heard that's his first name Damn, dude. Well, Bishop Blaze needs to okay an exorcism for anyone in the Chicagoland area. I'm going to add him on Instagram. <laughs> Do you think he has one? I don't know. Bishop Blaze? He sounds cool. Like, he's not a regular bishop. He's, he's a, a cool, cool bishop. bishop. <laughs> I always thought that you actually needed permission from the Vatican and the Pope to perform an exorcism, but I guess that's not the case. And I think that rumor was probably started in Hollywood and it just took off because it makes it seem way more extreme if the Pope needs to okay it. Well, according to my Googling of Bishop Blaze, it seems that archdioceses are the archbishop is Mm -hmm. appointed by the Pope. So he's like a finger on the Pope's little hand. Okay. Yeah. Blaze is just like a pinky finger on (laughs) the Pope's hand. The HBIC, the head bishop in charge, will decide which priest in the diocese shall perform the exorcism. According to the Code of Canon Law, the priest who shall be appointed the title of exorcist should possess piety, which, duh. I love pie. (laughs) They should also possess knowledge, prudence, and integrity of life. He must also possess a spirituality that is grounded in the sacramental life of the church and be able to keep his curiosity in check. Mm. Whatever that means. I don't know. I literally copy and pasted that because I thought it was so weird. Keep his curiosity in check? Yeah. So I guess, I don't know. Don't text the person possessed afterwards. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Hey, LOL, just check again. How are you? (laughs) That demon's still gone? You need me to come back? Smiley face. (laughs) Okay, bye. Eggplant emoji. No! No! (laughs) So basically, the HBIC chooses the baddest-ass priest that he has in his diocese, and the priest must also be specifically prepared for it. So... They're not just going to be like, hey, Father Kyle, you busy Saturday? You want to do this exorcism? <laughs> no, I'm all tied up. I got a, a couple of these little, I don't know, they call them baptisms, but technically they're exorcisms. <laughs> Anyways, hit me that acoustic guitar. <laughs> I don't know, it seems like a Father Kyle thing. <laughs> a Father Kyle plays the acoustic guitar. It's true. He has long hair, too, but he has to tie it back for service. Yeah. He's also like a youth 
minister. <laughs> he totally is. He runs the youth group. Father Kyle. Out of the church. Oh, easily. Father Kyle. Also, for anyone paying attention, or I guess for anyone who doesn't really know anything about the Catholic religion, a woman cannot perform a major exorcism. Here we go. Because a woman cannot be a priest or a bishop. Because that bitch Eve had to go and ruin that for the rest of us. No, I'm totally, I'm just kidding. Nobody attack me, please. Well, you know what? Maybe she shouldn't have eaten that fucking apple that one time. <laughs> and none of this would have happened. <laughs> but mom, if you're listening, and I know you probably are, that's kind of the number one reason out of the many why I don't subscribe to this religion. So I also just want to clarify, I'm not knocking you if you do. It's just not for me. So I think we've said before on this podcast, practice whatever you want. Just don't be an asshole. Yeah. And just if a snake tries to give you an apple, (laughs) I'm just going to say, say no. Maybe say no. Yeah. Right? Unless it's like something better than an apple. Like an apple pie. An apple pie, you always say yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we're coming out (laughs) pro apple pie and we're just against apples. Against apples. This podcast is firmly against apples definitely pro apple pie yeah only if they're in pie that's the only time you should yeah, eat them that's true or so i like applesauce huh. anyways um <laughs> tune in next thursday for our podcast apples to apples with nick and no and you can hear all about how we feel about apples and apple byproducts maybe it'll be a we could we'll do it as a spin-off show, for a spin-off show. <laughs> perfect no. Oodles of apples with Nick and No. Anyways, let's get back to exorcisms. So with that being said, though, if there is a woman who is in need of an exorcism, there must be another woman present. And at no time shall the exorcist be alone with the female member affected. Usually, the exorcist has trained for this through an apprenticeship model and under an experienced exorcist. So that just makes sense. Recently, several different programs have been put in place to teach exorcism for dummies classes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Is there like a book, one of those yellow books? Oh, totally. Yeah. Can you imagine you're like a teenager and your dad's like, you're a disappointment, Kyle. And he's like, <laughs> I just want to perform exorcisms, dad. You'll never understand me. And he like takes his acoustic guitar and runs out and he gets an exorcism for dummies classes book. <laughs> <laughs> joins the course. <laughs> Father Kyle, if you're listening, hey. We're here. We support you, Father Kyle. <laughs> we'll love you like your dad never will. <laughs> I'm assuming that this recent creation of this exorcism for dummies class is mm-hmm. probably because of the trend in exorcism movies. Every three months, a new movie comes out with the title, The Exorcism of So-and-So. And oh. honestly... I can't keep up anymore. And typically they're shit anyways, so I don't even bother. No. You know what really was a good one, though? Hmm. The Exorcism of Barney and Friends. Oh, That yeah. was great. The He puked purple instead of green. <laughs> yeah, it was a wild, <laughs> wild left turn. No one saw it coming. Anyways, if it will benefit the exorcism, members of the lay faithful may be present and help with the exorcism. And I actually had to look up what that meant because I had never heard that term, but it's pretty much just anyone who's been baptized and also follows the Catholic faith. Oh, so if you got your 
your baby exorcism, you're good. Yeah. Okay. And I guess you still technically have to follow along with things, which I don't, so maybe I'm not technically considered one. But if you got possessed, I would go to church for you so I could be present in the room. Oh, my God. Thank you. Can you trap the demon in a bottle so I can keep it like tonsils? <laughs> yes. Thank you. In a, in a Dybux. Yay. That's how you say it? Dybux? Dybux? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please do. And then sell it to Zach Bagans. Do it. Before an exorcism takes place, the person afflicted must undergo a medical and psychological evaluation. But this website also stated that the actual determination of whether a member of the faithful is possessed by a demon is made by the church. Hmm. So I guess a doctor can be like, no, you're just schizophrenic. And then the church can be like, no, it's a devil. And then perform an exorcism on you. Because they're the church and they can basically do whatever they want in this country. So Yeah. And then the doctor and archdiocese blaze has to like battle it out to see who <laughs> gets the soul of the person they fight it yeah yeah mortal combat style oh yeah so who can be exercised according to the church well obviously catholics Duh. converts Duh. and non-catholic christians who request it Duh. but non-christian believers may also receive an exorcism provided that they prove that they are actually possessed by a demon and that they truly want to be free of its influence hmm. so you could get one if you wanted one well i'm busy but <laughs> but if you are non-catholic the diocesan bishop gets the final say in the matter so he can also deny you so don't piss him off on instagram i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna dm him right now Slide into his DMs. Slide into Archdiocese Blaze's DMs. Bishop Blaze. Bishop Blaze. <laughs> Archbishop Blaze. Sup. Yeah. So, what goes on in an exorcism, may you ask? Well, I'm so glad that you asked that question. I did. <laughs> because there is no scriptural basis for the right. The exorcists will use psalms and gospel and a whole lot of praying and holy water to perform the rite of major exorcism do you believe in life after love what was that for i just imagine that that's what they would yell oh right that's and then they yell the power of christ the power of share compels you mm. and then the demon leaves who has more power against demons god or share uh share totally who is more likely to possess someone, Cher or Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton. Nothing to lose. <laughs> Love it. The priests performing the exorcism will first go to confession and repent their sins and ask for God's help and guidance in the exorcism. He dresses in a surplice, which is surplus? Surplice? I think it's surplice, which is the typical tunic type thing that a priest wears. I don't know if you've ever seen a priest with like that white thing on. Oh yeah, I love a tunic. He also wears a purple stole. And I looked up the reason for why it specifically has to be purple. And the reason is that the color purple is believed to have a cooling and calming effect. And it's also associated with penance and healing. So it has nothing to do with Prince? No. Okay. Well, Cher was here, so I thought maybe whatever. <laughs> He will then trace the sign of the cross over himself and any others present 
and sprinkle them all with holy water. And he starts off the exorcism with the litany of the saints, followed by many other exorcistic prayers, Bible excerpts, etc. Basically anything he can do to try to rid this person of the demon. You can actually go on catholic.org. And yes, that is a real website. Got to. And you can look up an example of the rite of a major exorcism. I was going to put it in here. It's very long. It was too long. So long. (laughs) So I just sang share for you instead. That's like the same thing anyways. Then the priest will lay his hands on the possessed as well as breathe on the person's face. Ew. I know. I'm not sure why. It's just, I guess, breathing Christ back into them? I don't, I don't know. I had... A lot of garlic <laughs> for lunch. And the demon's like, ew, oh my god, no, gross. He's like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here then. Gross. And then it leaves. The priest will then show the person a cross and then make the sign of the cross over the person as many times as it takes for the demon to GTFO. Exorcisms usually take place in a holy place like a chapel or a church It's not recommended to perform it in someone's house. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Confidentiality is extremely important, and the church will never post on Instagram who got exercised that day or who did the exercising. So if you're on Bishop Blaze's Instagram, he's not going to post about any exorcisms. It's very boring. It's like all cinnamon rolls and bells. He's posting a lot of bell (laughs) content. I don't know what that's about. Over the years, exorcisms have become less and less frequent, probably due to our advancement in medicine and the knowledge of different mental disorders that can lead a person to exhibit signs that might seem like they're possessed by a demon. It should come as a shock to no one that in past centuries, epilepsy, schizophrenia, Tourette's syndrome, and other mental illnesses were mistaken for demonic possession. Right. Like, if someone is yelling, your mother sucks cocks in hell, but... Could be Tourette's. You don't know. And you know what? It's 2021. We're being accepting of people. Mm-hmm. We are minding our own business. Mm-hmm. So just smile at them. Maybe give them a wave. And just walk on. It's okay. <laughs> in fact... Today, exorcisms are considered extremely rare because 9 out of 10 cases usually just turn out to be that a person is suffering from a mental illness. That is still 10% of all cases. Yeah. That's so many. So now that we all know about exorcisms and how to perform one, shall we talk about some real life exorcisms that took place? I would love to. Let's do it. Everyone listening to this is likely familiar with the movie The Exorcist, which we have been talking about nonstop this whole episode. (laughs) But if you're not, that's all right. Little synop for you. It's a cult classic from the early 1970s. Centers around a little girl who is possessed by a demon and a priest comes to evict said demon and wackiness ensues. Yeah, we'll call it wackiness, (laughs) I guess. Not to give any spoilers here. Well, did you know that the movie and the book that the movie was based on, was based on a true, real exorcism, not a fake one. Really? So a real, real. A real, real, real. Okay. I didn't actually know this. I didn't either. But it was. It was based on a 14-year-old boy referred to only the pseudonym of Roland Doe. Oh. 
Like Roland Doe. <laughs> like Roland Doe. That's so cute, right? That is. Why didn't they just call him John? I don't know. Why did they have to switch that? Roland Doe. Maybe he was really into bed, like bread baking. Mm, that's Very. probably it. Very cute. Roland in the dough. Or he oh, was really rich. So Richie Rich. They didn't want to out Richie Rich. Yeah. That's what it was. It's Macaulay Culkin as Richie Rich. We found you, Macaulay. Wait, was we he know Richie it was Rich? you. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Just go with it. Somebody tell us. Was he Richie Rich? I kind of stopped following Macaulay's. I love that that's a name. I, I stopped following Macaulay's career after Home, Home Alone. Alone. Yeah, too. everyone did. After Home Alone, too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's get back to little Roland. Little Roland in the riches. He was born in Mount Rainier, Maryland, to a German Lutheran family. He was an only child, and he mostly hung around with the adults of the family. One of his favorite family members was his Aunt Harriet. Aunt Harriet was a spiritualist, and she gifted little baby Roland a Ouija board in 1949 after Roland showed interest in his aunt's board. Nice. Hell yeah, Aunt Harriet. Um, Funny story. Yeah. I actually got my cousin a deck of tarot cards for Christmas last year. Oh, that's so nice. She's 11, and she's super into witchy things like myself. So, Very cute. Yeah. I am I guess I'm the Aunt Harriet in this scenario. Everyone wants to be the Aunt Harriet. Right? She's the coolest. She's the coolest aunt. After Roland's beloved Aunt Harriet suddenly passed away, the family began experiencing strange occurrences in their family home. There would be strange, unexplainable noises... Furniture would move around on its own, and small objects, such as vases, would levitate or be thrown around the house. Casual. Yeah, just like your everyday vase levitation. Yeah. You know, it's just like a Wednesday. (laughs) These occurrences always happened around Roland, like some sort of force field he gave off, if you will. Hmm. The family turned to the help of the church. The family turned to the church for help. A Lutheran pastor named Miles Schultz. He arranged a visit with the boy, and he agreed to spend the night in the family's home to observe him. It was then that Schultz saw the objects move about on their own. So he thought it was on their own. He suggested the family contact a Catholic priest, as he feared the worst, possession. Mm. It was then that Roland would receive the first of several exorcisms. Roland was taken up to Georgetown University Hospital, and he was seen by Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic priest. So was he ever, he didn't ever, he wasn't ever seen by a doctor? No, just like Jesus people. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's great. He was tied down by the priest to restrain him before this exorcism took place. During the rite, the boy managed to slip one of his hands out of the restraints, and he slashed at the priest, but was unable to reach him. He ripped a bed spring out of the what? mattress, yeah, and again he slashed at the priest, cutting him very deeply in the arm. The rite of exorcism was halted, and the priest sought medical attention. Holy shit, how do you manage to rip a bed spring out of a bed? When you're possessed by a demon, you have superhuman strength. Holy shit. So yeah. maybe he actually was possessed by a demon. Well, he was a 14-year-old boy, so how else? Right? Yeah. The event ended without a solution that this family was seeking, but his parents were determined to help their little sweet baby boy. In March of 1949, Roland's parents were then encouraged by one of Roland's cousins to see associates of the church at St. Louis University. These associates were named William S. Bodern and Raymond Bishop. 
I saw a lot of things which is called him Bishop. And I was like, that's confusing. The Bishop. And then I found his name was Raymond and everything was cleared up. Oh. It was so confusing. That's very confusing. The family traveled over 12 hours to St. Louis in hopes that they would find answers to what they were looking for, like their problems. Mm -hmm. The next exorcism would be performed in Roland's cousin's home by Raymond Bishop and this William Bodern. I want to call him Ray and Bill. So were they priests? They were. They were associates of the church. So they, Um, like, worked. I couldn't find, honestly. were they priests? I don't know. They were just called... Associates? They were called priests in a lot of things. Okay. So I'd like to assume yes. Well, I mean, technically, you, a major exorcism can only be performed by a priest. That's why I asked. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, they do one, so. That's true. I guess you can still do one if you're not a priest, but maybe it just won't be as effective. Uh, I have literally no idea. <laughs> if you're a priest and you know that question, we don't. Let so <laughs> let us know. All right. These two holy men, we will call them, okay, going forward, <laughs> spent some time with the boy to observe him. By all accounts, the boy seemed perfectly normal during the days, perfectly splendid. But each night, like clockwork, Roland would change. He would alternate between wild outbursts of screaming and hissing to trance-like states, just staring blankly off into the distance for hours. It, it's almost like he, like sundowning, isn't that what they call? Oh, yeah. When older people, they go crazy at night? Yeah. That's weird. It's when the demons come out, dude. I mean, that's when everyone's demons come out. (laughs) I guess so. The priests, well, holy men, we don't know, (laughs) supposedly saw objects mysteriously flying around in the boy's presence. They would leave religious objects around the house and note how the boy acted. Roland would always recoil and react violently when he was near any of these objects. During their stay with the family, Billy Bodern, I want to call him that, reportedly saw an X appear scratched into Roland's chest. This led them to believe that the boy was possessed by 10 demons, as the Roman numeral for 10 is an X. Okay, is it just me, or do we think that's a bit of a stretch? Like a really big one? (laughs) I feel like an X is the most basic shape. I, I wouldn't be like, oh, 10 demons. Definitely Gotta 10. Be. <laughs> what if it was an X for no, no demons? Mm, and they X just marks the spot where the demon is. Whoa. <laughs> so many ways you can interpret that. Nobody knows. The boy was reported to be capable of spitting an unknown, scare quotes, hmm. foul substance at the priest or I guess holy men. <laughs> All the way across the room, and he did this with incredible accuracy, which is giving me big exorcist vibes. Yeah, I was going to say, is it was it green, and did it smell of peas? Yes. Oh, well, then. But ironically, he ate a lot of pea soup, so who knows? Oh, maybe you know? he just had the flu. Maybe. In another incident, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of scratches traveled from the boy's thigh down towards his ankle, and they just watched it. They're like, hey... What's happening on your thigh, little boy? And then they watched it. They're like, X plus three. Now there are 13 demons. (laughs) Roland's bed would also violently shake, seemingly out of nowhere. A deep guttural voice would emanate from inside the child, escaping in a low growl out of his just wide open mouth. Which is horrifying. I was going to say, it's pretty terrifying. (laughs) 
to have a sound like that come out of a child. Right? And his mouth is just, like, wide open. Yeah. I would fucking scream. Mm. These occurrences happened every single night for more than a month. On the evening of March 20th, Roland urinated all over his bed and began shouting and cursing at the priests. Specifically said, your mother sucks cocks in hell. Shut up. He did not say that. No, I have no idea what he said. Did, oh, I was going to say. No, I looked. I couldn't really? find it. I um, wish. Maybe. It was then that the Archbishop of the Catholic Church granted William Bodern and Raymond Bishop permission to perform an exorcism on Roland. This would be his third for those keeping track. Oh, so they finally got permission, though? Yeah. Technically, they were, like, doing, like, little mini exorcisms the whole time, like, pushing oh, this kid. okay. Like, he'd walk by, and they'd be like, the power of Christ. Oh, the <laughs> they just would, like, sneak across underneath his pillow. And yeah, then... stuff like that. Okay. Like, throw holy water at him. Like, Bathe wow. him in holy water. Yeah, It's like, it burns. Yeah. Like, oh, you, you look thirsty, Roland. Have this water. And he would drink it, and it would be holy water. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Why don't they just do that for their exorcism? Like a like a slow exorcism? Yeah, just trick the person possessed. Just be like, here's this water. Yeah. That'll be, ooh, that's how you tell if they're really possessed. That makes the most sense. It's like frenemies. Like you pretend to be his friend, but you're secretly exercising yeah. him like a little bit every day. That should be the test because they don't know if water has been blessed or not. That's but they true. know that a cross yeah. means Jesus. That makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to do that. Because we just solved it. We exorcism, solved exorcisms. The exorcism market has been untapped. And this <laughs> is our gateway to riches in 2021. Yeah, I mean, hey, if the podcast doesn't take off, then we got a backup plan. We're moving to exorcisms. <laughs> Roland was taken to the psychiatric wing of the Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. Hopefully to see a psychiatrist, right? I mean, you would think. No. He saw another priest named Walter Halloran. That's the name of the guy in The Shining. Is it? Mr. Halloran, yeah. Oh. The guy who also has The Shining. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was Walter Halloran from The Shining, um, (laughs) Billy Bodern, the holy man, and then also another priest, a Jesuit, named William Van Rue. And I looked up a Jesuit, and they're just someone that's super into religion. Oh, okay. They're like an ultra-Catholic. Oh, so mm. like if you hit the level 100 of Catholicism. Yeah, like if Jesuit. you get like 100 gold rings, then mm. you level up. <laughs> level up. To Jesuit. Just as it had in Roland's cousin's house, the bed he laid on began to shake violently. According to Walter Halloran from The Shining, strange <laughs> marks and carvings began to appear on Roland's skin, spelling out words like evil and hell. All over his body. Roland thrashed about so violently that he broke Walter Halloran's nose when the priest began reciting the Litany of the Saints. Finally, on April 18th, the Monday after Easter, Roland began to experience seizures. He yelled, Satan will always be with me! Same. The priest laid holy relics, crucifixes, medals, and rosaries on the boy, and he screamed and he screamed in pain, saying that it was burning him. Late that night, the priest called on St. Michael to expel the devil from Roland's body. They shouted, St. Michael will fight for you. No, why do I? St. Michael will fight you for Roland's soul. You will never win in the battle of good and evil. 
St. Michael protect this boy! Exclamation point is what they yelled. They were much more enthusiastic than me because they were trying to get something done, and I am simply just reading a quote. Seven minutes into this shouting, Roland snapped out of his feral trance, and he whispered, Well, I think he's gone. That seems very anticlimactic. Yeah, right? Well, Roland said that he had a vision that St. Michael fought Satan on a great battlefield, hand-to-hand combat, and was victorious. And then everything went black, and then he woke up to be his regular self. The exorcism had been successful, and the family moved back to the East Coast. In the words of Walter Halloran from The Shining, (laughs) Roland was successfully exorcised and went on to live a rather ordinary life. If the man that was Roland Doe, pseudonym style, Mm -hmm. is still alive today, he would be around 85 years old. Hmm. Or maybe he's dead and he's in hell with the demons that were once inside of his body. Well, that story took a turn for the worst. I don't right know. I hope not. Who knows? Well, I hope he's living a great life, demon-free. Demon-free since 49. That doesn't rhyme. <laughs> Feeling fine since 49. There it is. Do you have an exorcism story? Uh, you know that I do. Tell it to me, baby. Okay, so my exorcism pick is the exorcism of... Annalisa Michelle or mm. Mikel. I don't I don't know how to pronounce it. I've multiple people have said it different ways. Let's call her Annalisa. Annalisa, yeah. Let's oh do it. God. Her story is actually what the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose is based on. I've never seen that. Don't. It's not very good. I won't. <laughs> there is also another movie that they made called Annalisa The Exorcist Tapes. I've never seen that. It's currently on Prime. And I do not recommend it. Oh. I couldn't even get through it. It was that bad. Well, really? That yeah. bad? It's how, like, how do you mess up an exorcism movie? It's already just so inherently terrifying. Right. I don't know. But I haven't seen a great exorcism movie since The Exorcist, so. Well, true. Constantine was good. Is that an exorcism movie, though? Mm. He does an exorcism. Yeah, more like demon-y. You know what? Know. Let's talk about all of the exorcist movies on the after show. Let's. Ooh. Annalisa was born September 21st, 1952 in Liebling, Bavaria, West Germany. She had three sisters and she grew up in a very, very religious Roman Catholic family. They attended mass twice a week. Wow. Which is dedication because when I was growing up, we went to mass on Christmas and Easter. Oh. So. Jesus' birthday and his other birthday. <laughs> when Annalisa was 16, she had her first episode while at school. She blacked out and just went into a trance-like state and sort of just walked around confused, not really knowing who she was. A year later, she started to experience more and more of these trance-like states And on one occasion, she woke up in a trance and she had wet her bed and her body just started to convulse. Wow. This actually sounds a lot like the story I just told. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities, actually, in the two. Well, there are only a couple symptoms, so. (laughs) After that, Annalisa went to a neurologist who diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy. Oh, so she got to see a real doctor? She saw several oh, real doctors. Oh, her. Because mm-hmm. my boy, Roland, <laughs> just saw a bunch of Jesus guys. 
Well, her temporal lobe epilepsy is what they thought was causing the seizures and her loss of memory. And it could actually also cause a person to experience visual and auditory hallucinations. Oh, terrible. This can also cause Gershwin syndrome, which can cause hyper-religiosity. That's a very difficult word to say. And hyper-religiosity can cause a person to exhibit intense religious beliefs. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Annalisa was put on medication for her epilepsy, and she graduated, and in 1973, she went on to take classes at the University of Würzburg, Würzburg. where her classmates described her as being very withdrawn and extremely religious. Oh, that's a, what a wonderful way to be described (laughs) by someone. Annalisa continued to suffer from seizures and convulsions and was prescribed an anti-convulsant drug called Dilantin, but it did not help her condition. She should have tried Dilantin PM. She began seeing devil faces and was then prescribed a drug to help with these delusions called Aolept. Maybe. Some weird pharmaceutical name. (laughs) Yeah. Which I guess is used to treat different psychosis disorders, such as schizophrenia. Mm. Her hallucinations just got worse and worse, and she started to hear demons whispering in her ears, telling her that she was damned and that she was going to rot in hell. That's terrible. Like, I look in the mirror sometimes. I'm like, (laughs) whoa, dude, this is what we're working with? Okay, that's a choice. But to also hear a demon be like, you're damned, you're damned, and you have crow's feet. That's so, oh my God, I would be so upset. That's upsetting. Annalisa was put into a psychiatric hospital where she was also diagnosed with depression. And by this time, she had been on all sorts of drugs for five years to try to help manage her condition, and nothing was really working for her. She also grew an aversion to anything religious, so churches, crosses, anything. Oh, so before she was super crazy religious, and now she's like, get that cross out of my face. Yeah. Wow. She actually went on a religious pilgrimage to San Damiano, where this aversion was sort of highlighted to those around her. I believe she went with friends. Okay. And she couldn't even walk past her crucifix. She would not drink the water from the Holy Spring that they visited. Oh, oh, that's the trick. That's a... Now we know. Oh, my God. But she knew it was holy water. Oh, okay. So so we don't really know. True, true. And she was not able to visit the holy shrine. Oh, she kept saying, ew, oh, my God, gross. (laughs) Oh, can we go home? After that, Annalisa and her family started to seek help elsewhere. They were all convinced that this was no longer a medical issue, but was, in fact, a demon issue. Her family reached out to several priests for an exorcism. At first, the priests declined, and they told the family that Annalisa needed to seek medical treatment instead. Wow. Like we said previously, they also needed permission from the HBIC, the head bishop in charge. Not as a damn blaze about it. (laughs) Annalisa continued to take her medications, but her condition just worsened. She became very aggressive and started to harm herself. She would rip her clothes off and do 400 squats a day. Okay. Every day was leg day. What you're telling me is that she just was fucking feeling herself, dude. 
She's working on her ass, working on her quads. <laughs> you can't contain them. Ripping her clothes off. I don't know. Maybe she's just feeling herself, you know? the demon might have been like, you are damned and also you have a flat ass. And she was like, no, I need to... S-. Oh, wait. What is she, German? German. <laughs> oh, no. The demons are... Here. Wait. What? Was it French? That <laughs> was French. Okay. Let me try again. You have an amazing German accent. You can nail What's this. What's happening? Sit Germans. Sit Germans. Channel the Germans. <laughs> Channel it. Channel those Germans. So the demon was like, you got a flat ass. Mm-hmm. And she was like, that is honestly very rude of you. Okay. Who's going to show you? Annalisa's going to show you. And then she did 400 squats a day. Mm-hmm. So many squats. So many squats. That her denim ripped off her body <laughs> when she flexed that peach. She hulked out of it, yeah. She, I don't see that's a problem. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, it wasn't until she crawled under a table and barked and growled like a dog for two days. Oh, that's problematic. She was also eating spiders oh. and drinking her own urine. Why? She also bit the head off of a dead bird. Was it already dead? It was already dead, yeah. And I approve. <laughs> she just wanted to see how it tasted. Annalisa was on Tet... Gretel, why are you, keep, are you are you being paid by all these drug I, companies? They were I, they were in the article <laughs> sponsored by Tetratol. <laughs> it won't cure your demon problem, but it will help you Hulk out. So that's actually an anti seizure drug, oh. and she was also on many antipsychotic drugs all during this time. So she was on all of these drugs throughout everything. She never stopped taking them. Her family was still convinced that. She needed some divine intervention because, I mean, she's eating spiders. Obviously, something's going on. <laughs> That's not normal. Finally, they found a priest named Ernst Alt. I love his name. Isn't it amazing? Ernst. Ernst Alt. And he believed their case, and he agreed to perform an exorcism. Annalisa wrote him a letter saying, would you like to read it, Annalisa? Oh, sure. Sure, but I can't stop thinking that Ernst just sounds like the beat in a techno song. Ernst, 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 right? Ernst, Ernst. <laughs> All right, so Annalisa's letter. I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me, because this demon, he said I have a flat ass. I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. I can only do... 420 squats a day. I mean, nice, like smoke it up, you know. But this is just not enough. The power, the power of the squats compels me. <laughs> I lived a little bit at the end there. Just a little bit. I'm going to actually reread it. Oh my God, my cheeks are hurting because I'm laughing. Okay, smiling. she did say, I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. Yes, that's what she said. The squats part was just added on. She was thinking it. She was thinking it. We were all thinking sure. it, honestly. Ernst, 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 Alt claimed she did not look like an epileptic and petitioned Bishop Joseph Stangle. Oh, yeah. To allow for an exorcism to be performed on the girl. That beefy girl. In September of 1975, Bishop Joseph Stangle chose priest Arnold Renz as the winner to perform the exorcism according to the Rituale Romanum of 1614. And the exorcism was to be done in complete secrecy. Ooh. 
On September 24, 1975, Renz performed the first session, one of many that would go on for another 10 months. 67 exorcisms were performed on Annalisa, each lasting up to four hours. Wow, I thought the three on Roland was bad. Yeah. Annalisa claims she was possessed by six different demons. Lucifer, Cain, Judas Iscariot, Adolf Hitler. Okay, not a demon, but sure. Nero and Fleischmann, who I guess was a disgraced priest. Also a really, really good Jewish deli in Skokie. Fleischmann's? <laughs> Fleischmann. So good. Honestly, they're babka, top notch. Annalise's parents stopped getting advice from doctors and started to rely on the priests and the exorcism to save their daughter. Though, like I said, she did continue to take her medications throughout the whole thing. Well, that's smart. Annalisa said that the demons argued with each other. She said Hitler said, People are stupid as pigs. They think it is all over after death. It goes on. And she also said that Judas called Hitler a big mouth who had no real say in hell. That's hilarious, and I like to believe that one. So Judas and Hitler did not get along, apparently. I can see it. I don't know how anyone gets along with Hitler. Right? Thank (laughs) you. Annalisa suffered physical damages, too. She actually ripped the tendons in her knees from praying all the time. What? And she actually broke the bones in her knees as well. Oh, my God. Yeah, I guess she was just constantly kneeling. Oh, get up, girl. Towards the end, she eventually stopped eating and drinking altogether as well. On July 1st, 1976, Annalisa died from dehydration and malnutrition. She was only 23 years old at the time of her death. Wow, this is terrible. And she only weighed 68 pounds. What? Mm-hmm. She also apparently had pneumonia at the time of her death. Oh, my God. An investigation on her death was conducted, and it was determined that her death could have been prevented by the people involved. Yeah, no shit, dude. Yeah. Annalise's parents and both priests were both charged with negligent homicide. Good. And her parents were defended by a lawyer that was sponsored by the church. All right, that makes a lot of sense. The trial took place on March 30th, 1978. The prosecution had doctors testify to Annalise's medical condition and to the fact that they believed that she probably wasn't possessed. They blamed her strict religious upbringing and her epilepsy for the condition that she was in. The defense argued that exorcism was legal and that the German constitution protected its citizens in exercising their religious beliefs. Okay, but she wasn't eating or drinking and her bones were broken. Yeah, I mean, you can't just kill someone and be like, well, God told me to do it, so I'm exercising my religious beliefs. So what is the problem here? (laughs) They also played tapes from the exorcisms of Annalisa and her demons arguing just to prove that she was indeed possessed, which I have. And I would like to play you a little clip because it is bone chilling. Please, I haven't heard this. All right, I have it. Are you ready for this? I'm super ready. Okay, I'm going to play it. Hopefully it sounds good on the mic. Whoa. It's fucking scary. (laughs) 
Okay, so obviously she's speaking in German because she's German, but... She's, like, growling in German. Yeah, it's intense. It's wow. very creepy. There is a whole hour and 30-minute tape on YouTube that's just her. And they... Um, is there video, too? I couldn't find video. I Whoa. think there was video, but I don't believe that anyone has access to it. I mean, I don't Ugh. think the church would give that up. Um True. But the the video that I have, they are translating it in English, mm-hmm. and the things that she's saying, it's just, just like it's terrifying. Your mother sucks cocks and hell. She doesn't say that, sadly. Oh. But <laughs> along those lines, okay. The priests also claimed that the last exorcism they did freed her soul, and that she actually died in peace. Which I don't know if I buy any of Not that. Not buying that Yeah, like oh, the last one you did was the one that did it, and then she died. No. Yeah. The bishop who approved the exorcism said he was not aware of her medical condition and he did not testify in the oh, trial. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because remember, this was before 1999, so the church didn't have to make mm. sure that a person was examined by a doctor before they went ahead and greenlit this exorcism. But this was only like 20 years before that. Yeah. Why did it take them 20 years to do this? Exactly. That's the big question of the night. Wow. The priests were found guilty of manslaughter, resulting from negligence, and they were sentenced to six months in jail, but that was later reduced to three years of probation and a fine. Oh, So they didn't serve any jail time. Oh, perfect. And the parents were actually not charged with anything as they, it was deemed that they had suffered enough. What? Which apparently is in German law. Like, that's a thing. I don't know. That's what. Well, we're Americans and you go to prison for like ever. Coughing on a police officer. Yeah, but not for storming the Capitol. (laughs) No, never. No, No, just for like if you get caught. Sleeping in your own bed. There it is. (laughs) Yep. Bam. Yeah. The case was highly criticized by the public because everyone just thought it was a huge misidentification of a mental illness, which I think I have to agree with. I totally agree. After the trial, Annalise's parents asked for permission to exhume her body due to the fact that she was buried too quickly, and they said that she was put in a cheap coffin, and they wanted to give her a little something fancier. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. On February 25th, 1978, Annalise's remains were placed in a fancy oak coffin lined with tin. Tin keeps the demons out. <laughs> Does it? That's why cans of tuna are never demonically mm, possessed. That's true. Annalise's case caused the church to take a deeper look into exorcisms and how they should handle them. Well, not like that, I'm going to say. And her case actually eventually led to the 1999 revision made by Pope John Paul II. And he just made stricter rules and added that little bit about consulting a medical doctor before jumping headfirst into an exorcism. Today, people visit Annalise's grave, both Catholics who truly believe she was possessed 
and actually non-believers too, who write her little notes and mourn the tragic loss of such a tortured young woman. Wow. That's really sad. Yeah. Now I'm feeling like her knees were broken and her tendons were ripped and stuff because the priest made her probably over and over and over. Yeah. That's horrifying. It's terrible. Well, um, if you want to hear more of our thoughts on this, hang out with us on the after show with Nick and No, or whatever we end up calling it, (laughs) on our Patreon page. Um, We do have a listener mail. If you want, we can read that one. Do it. This one comes from our listener, Corinne. Shout out to Corinne. Hey, Corinne. She says, greetings. My name is Corinne. And I had messaged you guys yesterday about the Station Nightclub episode. A few friends of mine and I were pretty surprised to hear that our state tragedy was, in fact, national news. We live in such a small area, we often feel like Rhode Island doesn't make many headlines. In 2003, I was 10, and I can still remember seeing the black skeleton of the station nightclub after the fire and hearing adults talk about what happened and how it could have been avoided. The lot was empty for quite some time before the memorial was put in, but I feel like the time taken to design it was worth it in the end. I agree. It's very beautiful. It is very beautiful. In a state as small as Rhode Island is, with 100 deaths in a single night, It is next to impossible to find someone who does not either directly know a victim, someone who was there, or someone who should have been there, but by happenstance avoided it at the last moment. Oh my God, I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. Yeah, we were chatting in the DMs about it. She said it's like heartbreaking for everyone. Oh, I'm sure. One of those victims was brought to my attention as I was going through my tattoo apprenticeship. Scott Green was the owner of Doors of Perception Tattoo in West Warwick and was a well-known portrait artist in the state and unfortunate enough to have Jack Russell, the man, not the dog, as a client the day that they came through to play their show. Jack Russell, the man, not the dog, invited everyone who was at the shop to come out to the show and put them on the VIP guest list. (gasps) And the rest is history. Oh, my God. I know. After the fire, there were quite a few of Scott's clients who had unfinished work, and other local artists stepped up to help finish them and work on new memorial designs for the survivors and their families. The fire tends to come up a few times a year, usually when Rhode Island has events like PVD Fest. I don't know what that is, but it's probably a chart of like a really big festival. Yeah, a lot of people probably. But for me, I think about it every time I go into a venue, looking for the closest exit and feeling comforted when I see the fire marshal's post about room capacity. Mm -hmm. If only more common sense had been used and there had been a bigger push to update the building, age be damned, the whole thing could have been avoided. Sorry for the slightly delayed response, but seeing as this is Tuesday, I had the day off. I thought you would like some pics of what the memorial looks like today. There are paths and small plaques with the photos, names, and birth dates of each of these who died in a wall in the back of the shrine where there is a timeline of events leading up to and during the fire. Wow. So thanks for going so in-depth about this tragedy and, I don't know, maybe encourage more laser light shows or disco balls instead of indoor fireworks? Yeah. Love, Corinne. Oh. Um, Corinne is an incredible tattoo artist. Really? She is so, so talented. Ugh. She works at Inflicting Ink Tattoo. It's in Rhode Island. I do not know the city. Ooh. But you can check her out on Instagram where she has a bunch of her work posted. It's at Corinne Clapper. So check it out. 
it's dope as hell. She's so talented. Oh, I'm definitely going to follow her. I love following tattoo artists on Instagram. Yeah. And so much ideas. We'll get one when we go to Rhode Island. Yes. <laughs> Have to. Yes. If anyone else has any other stories, maybe bonus points if it relates to an episode we've previously done. But even if it hasn't, uh, you can reach out to us and email us your listener lore at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. And you can always, always slippery slide into our DMs. We literally love chatting with you guys. We do it all day long. Mm -hmm. It is so much fun. It's how Corinne and us met. And I don't know. We really do love it. We'll say hi. It's one of us chatting. So (laughs) come chat to us there. If you like what you heard or hear, if you're listening to more than one, um, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We would really appreciate it. And as always, the sources for this entire episode can be found in our show notes. If I just want to put a call out, like if you guys know more about exorcism, because it's so fascinating. Yes, yes. Please let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, go through there. Some of these websites are very, very fun. Mm-hmm. So check it out. And like we mentioned previously in the beginning of this episode we started a patreon we sure did so we have we're gonna have after shows after all of our shows some bonus episodes we've got a movie club in there if you guys like movies we're so excited for that but yeah check it out and we're just under quite unusual on patreon if you want to buy us a drink we still have that going on too it's all in the links in our bio on instagram and in Facebook. Yeah, or a lot of things you can just search Quite Unusual Pod, and that's the name we use for all these platforms. Right. Uh, I think we should give a little shout out to our new Patreon followers. We definitely should. Shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Sabrina. What's up, John? Hey, Beth. What's up, Brian? Sup, Austin. And Spencer. Spencer. Thank you all so, so much for supporting us. We are so grateful. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, we will give you a cute little shout out. We'll shout you out. And this is the point where we always tell you to celebrate the strange. And if you have time and you're busy, busy schedule, (laughs) keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.